0: Welcome to Estradi Illusions. This is our coverage for The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5. But before we dive into the world of Star Wars and Baby Yoda, now called Gragu, I don't know how we feel about that yet. Before we dive into all of that, we have a milestone. It is Estradi Illusions' 100th episode, Episode 100. Thankfully, it didn't fall. We have a couple episodes that are still uh, pre-recorded, haven't been released yet. Well, they're all pre-recorded, but we have a bunch of episodes in our uh, in our queue waiting to be released. And uh, thankfully, this fell on a Mandalorian episode, so that I could take a minute or two to acknowledge that uh, people keep saying it's a big deal. It is. I mean, it feels it feels uh, it, it feels like we started just yesterday, and although the start of COVID feels like five hundred years ago, so. We started uh, 10 months before COVID, and yet it still feels like yesterday. Isn't that kind of fun? Time flies when you're having a good time. And this podcast, uh, i said this in, I mean, you probably haven't heard this unless you've listened to absolutely every episode, but when I started, when I wanted to... to start a podcast uh, all these years ago i the one big barrier for me was that i didn't really have one single idea that i wanted to spend an eternity podcasting about and what i've learned from uh, all the time with astral uh, illusions is that you can just kind of jump all over the place and people will listen and that's really been the most rewarding thing to, to share my interests and my excitement for all sorts of stuff with you, the audience. We've had uh, f- we've had filmmakers, we've had icons of the trans community, we've had scientists, we've had professors, we've had a handful of PhDs on this show. Who would have thought it? We have a bong smoking pink elephant as our mascot, and it's just such a wonderful thing that uh, <laughs> this this journey has. It's been great. It's been great. I, I don't want to uh, spend more time, especially for uh, people who are here just for the Mandalorian. We'll uh, resume programming. But uh, thank you, everybody. This is this is. I, I'm so honored and humbled to have made it this far, and I couldn't have done it without you, the audience. You guys have been great and it's been so fun and we've talked about such random stuff we've done we've done transgender episodes on on butts and alcohol and 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 wands and all sorts of weird things and it's just been uh, it's it's been great so <laughs> We have some uh, we have some 100-episode uh, celebration-type episodes planned uh, with Christmas coverage, with all sorts of stuff, been doing a lot more bookings. Uh, we'll just kind of put them up, and uh, special ones will be billed as uh, 100th episode celebrations. So thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. And now back to Mandalorian which was itself a huge uh, milestone for the show. We we finally, I mean, we've, we've seen it a little bit in the past uh, few episodes, but the reveal of uh, Ahsoka Tanao is, is such a big deal for the show to bring the breakout character of uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels animated shows, which... Especially for Clone Wars, I mean, there's a reason that, that this show is so popular among diehard fans of the French of of Star Wars and the franchise, and and that's really because after Revenge of the Sith, I mean, if you if you remember back then, there was talk of a live action Star Wars show in the wake of uh, Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm wanted to produce it. It would have been too expensive. I think it was going to air on. Now they didn't really talk about where it was going to air. But it was it, it was kind of like the precursor to the Mandalorian. Boba Fett was, was often kind of thought as maybe we're going to center the show around him. They knew that they weren't going to specifically center it around the Jedi. And then that, that didn't come to fruition. So we have Revenge of the Sith in 2005. It would be another 10 years before we get The Force Awakens. And the Clone Wars kind of held the torch for, for Star Wars for years and years and years. And it was the thing. It aired on Cartoon Network. It is essentially a children's show. And yet... So many people grew up with Star Wars and and returned to Star Wars uh, just just to watch that show, which was uh, such a narrative treat. They covered so much stuff. The, seeing just the Clone Wars and the the nitty gritty of the battles and the relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin and these new characters and uh, Ahsoka Tanao, This was just so great. And I talk about this a lot in my uh, written review, which is which is linked to the in the episode description, but. For a lot of these big franchises, uh, uh, one of the big questions that they all have to face is the idea that that you have this big, big, big franchise lore, and then you've got the kind of that that includes books and t- uh, animated TV shows and all sorts of stuff, and then you've got like the the more fine-tuned the cinematic releases, and and people will debate canon all day long. But but to kind of boil that down to simplistic terms, we're dealing with the idea that you have to present. A product that is both accessible to casual fans, uh, essentially even first-time viewers, and then also to, to long-time series diehards. So, I mean, that's something that The Mandalorian has had experience with uh, uh, from from the first episode of the season and, and also with characters like Kokotan. And in in my written recap, I, I make the comparison that there there's a reason we didn't see the Marvel Netflix characters in Avengers Endgame, even though I mean you have the big Avengers assembles moment. They they get basically seemingly every hero who is in every movie, and they didn't include those people. And some some fans will be upset about that, but and and I'm not I'm not necessarily defending Marvel on that front either. I think a quick hey, look at these guys' cameo would have been uh, justified and uh, it was a bad idea that they didn't do that. But the, the mindset behind that would be if you've got a global, global audience, uh, millions and millions of people who are sitting down to watch this and you're going to put something on from TV that, that a good number of them would not have seen, like if you put The Runaways or Cloak and Dagger on, you're dealing with a, a, a fraction of the people sitting in the theater who would have any idea who these people are. So that, and that's something that the studio has to uh, operate under. When it comes to the Mandalorian, there are a lot of people who have never seen the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels who sit down every week and religiously watch the show. I imagine that not a ton of them are then going to tune into something like this podcast. But we do have to. There is a balance that the broader powers that be have to operate under, and that's the idea that. You know, yes, you can cover if you're if you're going to cover stuff like Star Wars: The Clone Wars or Rebels, you have to do it in a way that people who have no idea what the hell uh, this stuff is, you have to do it in a way that they don't feel left out. And I think that this season as a whole has done an absolutely spectacular job of doing that. Ahsoka Tanao was is. For a time at least, she was really the unquestionable best thing that happened to Star Wars in the 21st century. There are plenty of people who still believe that, but there are now other contenders. you got Rey, Baby Yoda, Gragu. Ugh. I'll say this. the ba- <laughs> It's a testament to Ashoka Tanao's, uh, just how beloved she is, that uh, they, they gave Baby Yoda's name in this episode. And that, that seems like very much second tier news. But it also feels like second tier news because oh God, that name's horrible. Who wants to say Gragu? Seriously, it's so bad. When I'm when I was writing my recap, it was paining me. I kept thinking to myself, like, can I just still call him baby? I, I don't call I don't call Mando uh, Din or Din Jajarin or whatever the hell. I it, who wants to do that? And you know what? Last, last week basically validated that because Grief still calls him Mando, so I will still call him Mando. However, nobody in the show calls him Baby Yoda, and now his name's Gragu, and it's like, uh, I don't like calling him the child either. I don't know. We had some really great lightsaber battles in this episode, which was uh, really fun. Ahsoka Tanao got to uh, fly around with her uh, dual-wielding uh, white lightsabers. I guess, I mean, that may be like plain... Lightsabers are are colored by a certain crystals, so I, I imagine hers don't have that. I could be wrong. And uh, we 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 see a callback to Baby Yoda uh, and his uh, the the ball that's on top of the the ship lever that <laughs> was really <laughs> one of the points early on last season where Mando started to really show his love of Baby Yoda and and. I guess what also is such a triumph of this episode is the idea that you have a, a, a quest. The whole Season 2 arc is is Mando trying to bring Baby Yoda to the Jedi. However, if he does bring Baby Yoda to the Jedi, wh- what is the show? The show is not going to get rid... They're not going to separate Mando and Baby Yoda. It's just not going... Maybe it'll happen at the end of the show. Maybe, maybe that won't happen. We're, we're not... Entirely sure. But for the duration of the show, they're just they're not going to divorce these two. Baby Yoda is not going to become a Padawan learner. Not for uh Tanao not for uh Ezra, not for it'd be really great if Quinlin Voss got to make an appearance in the show. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh Ezra, there we cow the the Jedi Fallen Order guy. There are a lot of there are a lot of fun people that we could see out of this. It'd be great if we could see Dak Rattler too. Dak Rattler, no, not Dak Rattler. Dash Rendar. Dak Rattler is the guy who died in the Snowspeeder, and I'm not going to edit that out because I got to do a quick quick self correct on that. Dash Rendar is the uh, hero from the Shadows of the Empire N64 game. So if you get that reference, that means you probably didn't grow up with Star Wars: The Clone Wars because. It's a solid ten years. Uh, there's a bit of a generational gap there, but if you've seen them all, then you're a Star Wars super fan, and uh, I, I I hear you and I see you. You're visible and you're beloved on a show like this. So Mando's walking around. I mean, one thing that really struck out with me, struck out at me this episode is the the idea that uh, so Baby Yoda lost his uh, bassinet two episodes ago. He hasn't gotten a new one. It's clear now that Baby Yoda understands Mando better than he did before. Uh, maybe maybe he understood him just fine last season and just didn't want to listen to him. We do know that he's stubborn. That was acknowledged in this episode. But he's, like, going around in his pocket, and it's weird, and the city of Caladan on Corvus was... uh I mean, a, a lot of the you know rescue the villagers from the big bad people. That's a trope of Western storytelling. Uh, as a as a big fan of Hercules' legendary journeys, we had Michael Hurst on in September. It made me think of an episode like that. It's a pretty run of the mill uh, TV film Western plot. We have to liberate the people. I you know I could I could take it or leave it on that. The you have the the ex-imperial officer Morgan Elsbeth is just there for some reason. We don't, we don't, this show doesn't really like exposition. We don't really know why Ashoka Tanao's there other than to liberate these people. And apparently she can't leave. And she's been there long enough that people, uh, episodes earlier, knew exactly where she was. So she's just going to stay there and have fun and do whatever the hell she wants on a planet that is not a pile of rocks. We spend a lot of time on this show complaining about navarro and tatooine just being piles of rocks now we're not on a pile of rocks and look how happy i am isn't that just so nice <laughs> kind of going all over the place here but baby yoda's just kind of sitting in his pocket uh he gets he doesn't have his jetpack uh which just seems kind of odd he gets it back later and then <sighs> hiring him to kill ahsoka uh okay he decides not to tell her that until later, which is kind of shady, and yet she can't read his mind. Beskar. Beskar can, I guess, repeal the Jedi lightsaber. Uh, okay. Let, suspension of disbelief can call for us to kind of accept that. That's fine, but it's still kind of odd. And, yeah, if you want to have an eye roll on that, then, uh, you know, you, you deserve that. And then... Ahsoka turn out, uh, they battle, and then she says, okay, there's your child, and they spend a lot of time uh, having a great Force conversation, which is kind of fun because Baby Yoda can't talk. We learn that his name is Gragu. And then we also learn, and this is this is where I'll, I'll offer some criticism because it's silly. We learn that Baby Yoda was at the Jedi Temple and was smuggled away with, during the great Jedi purge of Or... Execute. Oh, the 66. Let's see if my voice doesn't get blown out from doing that. Is it really... Are we really supposed to believe that Baby Yoda was at that Jedi Temple, like... 35, 40 years prior to where this show is? Maybe even longer than that. So, Baby Yoda is, is shown to basically be an infant, a child very small, like, eh, not really aware of all that much. And we're supposed to believe that... And, and uh, Baby Yoda's 50. So we're supposed to believe that at one-fifth his current age, which is still an infant child, at one-fifth his current age, he's getting Jedi training at the Jedi Temple. A little half-baked there. It's a, the, the whole thing is a little bit ridiculous. I would also be remiss if I didn't point out... I, the writing on this show is, is occasionally kind of silly, but uh, Ashoka Tanao says... Uh, uh, my handwriting's a little bad, so we'll call this a, a pair of, it, It's It's basically a direct quote. I like first, good or bad, they're always memorable. Okay. Now, first, uh, you know what? I don't like... Uh, I'll say this. I don't agree with her. I don't like bad first. I like good first. Surprise, surprise! Are people really surprised by that? I don't know. Anyway. And then we get... So, I said earlier that, that you really can't separate Mando from Baby Yoda because then, well, I mean, we don't have a show. If you, you can't get the merchandising cash cow or the guy whose name is the show. You can't get rid of either of those people. Baby Yoda and Mando will be together for the duration of the show. So, Asoka Tanao cannot really be a big part of the show if she's not going to train him and she can't really train him because then Mando has to go away. She can't do, like, the abbreviated, like, an empire, how Luke becomes a Jedi basically with a couple afternoons of, like, cardio and some meditation with Yoda running around on his on his back and the nice backpack. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen. But the show found a really good way to say, hey, that's okay. The reason that we're not going to do this is because I've seen what happens when... Jedi who had strong attachment to somebody else. I've seen what happens. Nice little nod to Anakin, uh, and the Mandalorian is a show that's kind of always existed as, as as firmly within the Star Wars lore. But we're not seeing a ton of references to anybody that that was the focus of either the prequels or the main trilogy, and certainly not the sequels yet because they haven't happened. So that was like that was pretty cool to see that. I I, I thought that that it was kind of an easy layup for the show to make, but. It was, I mean, there, that there's nothing wrong with that. It can be really good to see something where you, uh, you know, not all fan service is cheap or lazy. This was something that felt really good. And the whole, like, move move the rock, baby. I mean, we know we know that Baby Yoda can use the Force. Like, the idea that that whole sequence where Mando is showing him, oh, yeah, you, you know... You're not gonna send the stone back, but here, take this. Uh, take your favorite uh, steering wheel ball that you love to play with. I don't know. The, the, that whole thing was a little stupid. But then we also have the. Ba- I just like uh, we we spent a little time talking about western western tropes. The whole the whole notion of of going back to take the village where Mando gives Ashoka some of his uh, a, a side plate of his best uh, Beskar armor on the shoulder. And she says, like, oh, I killed him. But Faint, actually, we're here. We're going to blow you all up. I mean, why didn't they just go and attack the village, period? It would have made for... I mean, you wouldn't have had that that scene in between the first action and the second action. But this whole, oh, psych, we actually are working together thing. Ah, that was silly. But, I mean, it was solid action that just wasn't really in service to anything other than to be action. And I'm not complaining, because this show gives us great action in basically every single episode and you won't find many premium shows that dedicate as much of their runtimes to action as the mandalorian so i'll take it it's it's not always the prettiest actions in the world but this was pretty good although the whole uh the soldier that wanted to surrender and shoot mando i mean give me a break I, I would have personally loved to have just kind of seen him try and walk away, because the Mando that we know, the hero, the protagonist, is not necessarily going to be the kind of guy who just shoots him. But, uh, you know, that that we, we didn't necessarily need... To, we, that, of course, wasn't going to come to fruition, because the guy had a sidearm. Anyway. And then we had the Ashoka-Elsmith battle. Beskar has to repel lightsabers, because... Mandalorian can't just be automatically weaker than the Jedi's. What kind of, what kind of show would that be? So longtime Clone Wars fans are probably watching that battle and thinking this is ridiculous. I also thought it was ridiculous that she, why she has two lightsabers. Why is this a fair fight? That's a little like, sure that spear can reflect, can repel lightsaber battles, use the force and pull the spear out of her hands. We know nothing about Elspeth that would make us think that she is somebody who could, who wouldn't be susceptible to that Force energy. There's nothing we know about her that, that didn't seem like that wouldn't be plausible. So instead we get a battle that, that really didn't need to be a battle. It could have ended in basically two seconds. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to complain. And then we got the Grand Admiral Thrawn mention, which was unbelievably cool. If you're someone like me who grew up... On the Expanded Universe, fun Grand Admiral Thrawn fact, I read that book in first grade, Heir to the Empire. And people would say, like, oh, that's not a book for first graders. It's not a book for first graders because it's inappropriate. The reading level is is perhaps uh, a little bit higher. I've often credited the Star Wars Expanded Universe for enhancing my vocabulary at a young age because uh, I knew who these characters were. It was like Han, Luke, these people. I was able to read them. And understand who they were while reading books that were written for adults. So I'll always be grateful to the expanded universe for for helping me do that. I'm not sure I understood completely everything that was happening, but I mean, sometimes I sometimes I read those uh, nowadays. Uh, often the um, the new Jedi Order series with the Yusen Voss Yusen Vong. I I Those books, I mean, you could give or take some of them. Jason Solo, Turning Bad is not really the greatest thing in the planet Earth, but they're fun. They're fun. You know, those are good outdoor kind of beach reads. And actually, one of my all-time favorites uh, that the Heir to the Empire author Timothy Zahn wrote is called Scoundrels, which is essentially Ocean's Eleven with Han, Chewie, and Lando. And it's such a... That's a great read. I would love, 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 love to see, like, a uh, Star Wars Rebels... Or not Star Wars Rebels, the the spinoff one. I would love to see like something like rogue one done with, uh, w- one of the anthology movies done with scoundrels. Cause it's such a great book. So, I, I mean, just, just back to the episode to wrap up, uh, hopefully we'll see Ashoka again. I mean, this could be a one and done Rosario Dawson did a pretty great job. This, uh, this episode was a lot of fun. And then, She suggests another Rebels uh, Easter egg uh, to go to to Tython where there's a Jedi temple. This show, I mean, this show is really encouraging. It's pushing its broader audience. It's not saying if you haven't watched Rebels, you can't watch this. But what it is saying is if you go back and watch... This thing that that the creators of the show have have put a lot of uh, heart into, like Dave uh, Dave Filoni, who directed and wrote this episode. He was the mastermind behind Rebels. They're saying, if you participate in the broader Star Wars lore, there's a lot to be rewarded by with this. We're going to show you a lot of things that you had only seen in animation, that maybe you had only really gotten to engage with with the supplemental material, we're going to take that and we're going to put it into our marquee Star Wars product right now, which is the Mandalorian. So I thought that was great. I mean, this really was a, this was, I've spent a lot of this episode pointing out the flaws of of the whole, I mean, there there are some clunky moments, but this really, I, I think this probably was the best episode of the series. I sat there, I loved the action, I loved the heart, Uh, It was this perfect balance of here's something for casual fans. You're not going to be lost by this, but if you put in the time and really engage with this material, we will reward you. That's when you're talking about how to navigate this broad franchise, how, how to navigate all of this stuff, this complex stuff that not everybody is going to want to engage with on the same sort of hardcore level. The balance between those two notions, between casual and super fan, was just hit so well. It was such just a, a very fun episode. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I, I, you know, it was great. I mean, we're we we're, we're three episodes left of the season. Moth Gideon is undoubtedly going to play a big role in that, and yet. This show has there's the show has had so much filler of just like subplots that are fun. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying the filler is bad, but it's a show that's never been in much of a hurry to get to its destination, and yet here we are in episode five having just one of the most uh, mythology uh, stuffed episodes, and it was just so satisfying and so entertaining, and I, I had a great time. I hope you had a great time too. And, uh, that was just, uh... <laughs> you know, we could have maybe had a little bit more exposition, but, uh, that's okay. It's probably a good note to end on. Anyway, 100th episode. Uh, I- I'm in a great mood, because this was a great, this was a great episode. I-, I really had a lot of fun with Chapter 13. So, uh... And, and I've, I've, I've been kind of frustrated, wondering, you know, we have... We 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 had the Boba Fett reveal at the end of the first episode. Now Moth Gideon's coming in. Is is Mando searching for other Mandos? Is he searching for Jedi? We got enough answers with plenty of stuff kind of left on the table to explore. Ah, uh, this 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 was fun. Anyway, I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening these past hundred episodes. Uh, you listeners are are so great. I love you all. Thank you so much. We will see you next time.